wonderful of you. Not Christian Mullow and Helen Mullow, Brett and Camp. You're meant to be in the UK. Oh, come on, it's now. Thank you. Exactly. It really is cool to see everybody. Let me just get my let me just get my thing ready here. Apologies. I meant to my timer. Hello, there we go. Anyway, it really is cool to see everybody. Well, cool. Thank goodness we've got aircon. Hasn't it been absolutely off the charts the last couple of days? But um, the Lord is good still, and we're together. It is wonderful that we're still able to meet. I thought we would have been in some kind of lockdown by now, but it's not. So let's just keep moving and appreciating, as, as uh, Hilton said, appreciating every moment that you have, because actually anything can happen at any time. So, um, but really wonderful to be to be here this morning. So we are, we are doing a series called The Holy Table. We're in a, a bigger series, bigger kind of idea of holy, and holy meaning unique, different, other. Um, it's, it's God is completely unique and completely other to any other part of creation. He is holy by virtue of He is creator and everybody else is created and everything else is created. And so holy has this kind of idea of not just being this uh, pure or morally pure sinless place, although that's what God is as well. It's got this idea of being different. And the church is called to be a holy nation or a holy priesthood. It's a priesthood that's different to the priesthood that, of, that was known in that day. And it's a holy nation different to the other nations. It's, it's got a uniqueness to it. It's got an ability to, to minister, to receive God and pass God on and to be a light to the world. That's kind of what this holy nation, holy priesthood was all about. And so what we're going to do now in conjunction with being in the table and hospitality, God's been speaking to us about eating together and hospitality and what a beautiful power is released and engaged with in God, with God around the table with people. And so we're going to do over this Christmas time now into January, um, the holy table. And I'd say you put those two concepts together. It's a table that is different. It's a hospitality that is different, that is unique. It carries the presence of God. It carries the, the uniqueness of the power and the presence of God when we have people around our table. So our table, we can just go and have a meal somewhere. Or we can go and have a meal somewhere, but recognize Jesus is with us. Recognize the Holy Spirit's with us. And we can create those moments around that table that minister to people. So that's kind of what it is, the holy table. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at all the moments that Jesus has around the table with people and the ministry that happens around the table with people. And uh, you're going to see it's quite an amazing thing to see Jesus and how he functions around the table. And what's exciting for us is if Jesus was functioning like that around the table, he has said, I must go and be at the right hand of the Father and I send you the Holy Spirit so that what I did, you can continue to do. So as believers, as, as sons and daughters of God, we get to operate around the table in a very similar way to what Jesus does because Jesus is still with us at the table by the Holy Spirit. Get that? So, so this actually, this this. The whole concept of this is actually giving us the confidence, the boldness, the intentionality, the wherewithal to actually understand when we sit at the table with people, 
it becomes a holy table because Jesus is there. And uh, so really that's the kind of idea of where we're going. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the particular portion of Scripture where Jesus sits down with tax collectors and sinners and the ministry that happens in that context. So let's, if you wouldn't mind turning to Luke chapter 5, that would be wonderful, verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Oh, I've got a new Bible. So lovely. It's got big letters. <laughs> and it's clean. Well, it was clean. Now I'm starting to write on it again. But it's clean and it's like, it's like a new start. Anyway, Luke chapter 5. Let me get on with what I'm talking about. I'm just so excited about my new Bible. Luke chapter 5. Verse 27. And just see, I haven't even ticked that. The pages are still stuck together. Verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Isn't it incredible? Jesus will pick you up in your very place of sin, in the very place of shame, in the very place of, of the context you're in, wherever you're in, and say, follow me. He doesn't put you through a course to make you sinless first. He doesn't put you through some kind of hoops that you must jump to to follow him. He just says, where you are now, follow me. Leave that alone and follow me. I love that about this little portion of scripture. Anyway, verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. There was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't it incredible? The description is there were tax collectors and others there. But when the scribes and Pharisees look at it, they see tax collectors and sinners. But when, when, he, when they gathered, it was tax collectors and others. The religious spirit, friends, stops us from seeing people for who they are. Because what we do is we see, we see the sin or we see the, the unclean part of them before we see the value and the love that God has for them. And so others become sinners. Anyway, he carries on. He says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so you have this amazing moment where, where Levi, the tax collector, gets saved, radically saved, leaves what he does, leaves his tax booth, his income behind, and follows Jesus. And his first response is this, let's have a banquet. Let's have a feast together. And so I don't know, kind of in my mind, I'm thinking, why would he do that? Well, well, maybe it was like a farewell. You know, when you finish your, at your employer's thing, you have a farewell lunch and you kind of, all your mates together say bye, cheers. I, I don't know if it is, because it says all his tax collectors and others were with them. So all, the, all his mates that were also tax collectors were there with him. Or maybe it was a celebration. I found Jesus and I want everybody else to know 
I found Jesus. And, the, and the, my group of friends are tax collectors and others. Remember, Levi was a tax collector. He was despised. He was a social outcast. He was a collaborator with the Romans. The Romans were God's, against God's people. So in other words, he was a, a traitor and a betrayer of God himself. That's what he would have been thought of. And so nobody mixed with that guy. It's also interesting because uh, archaeological evidence shows that fish taken from the, the, the Sea of Galilee would have, would have been taxed. So he would have been collecting the tax from the fishermen of those very same fishermen that he now asks to be on the same team with Jesus with his fishermen, fishing team. Imagine that, eh? I'm on team with the guy that ripped me off. And Jesus says, now come now, we're going we're to find... We're going to find something together, and we're going to change the world. Anyway, so Levi was this guy that was not particularly well-liked, social outcast, collaborator, and freaking out. These guys are like, how can you? But because they were social outcasts, his only mates were tax collectors and others. And so when he now throws a party, he just invites his immediate group of friends to the party. I want you to come and sit with me with Jesus. He never had an opportunity like that to sit with the Pharisees and scribes. But he has now one with Jesus and he invites all his friends to come and sit and eat with Jesus. You see, friends, eating, one of the big things we've got to understand is who Levi was and why tax collectors were not kind of welcome in normal settings. The other thing that we've got to remember is that eating with somebody and that time was, had a special, special significance. It wasn't just a meal. It was a special event in the ancient Near East that kind of expressed friendship and, and acceptance. So by Jesus eating with them, he was accepting them. He was extending his hand of friendship to them. One of the commentators, Scott Bauchi, says this, being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person had become a ceremonially rich uh, had become ceremonially rich symbol of friendship, intimacy, and unity. So it was symbolic of this friendship, intimacy, and unity. Thus, betrayal or unfaithfulness towards anyone with whom you had shared the table was viewed as particularly reprehensible. So what Judas did at, with Jesus at the table was very reprehensible. It wasn't good because you ate, you're eating together the next minute you're betraying me. Whereas this thing meant that we were together, we were one, we were kind of friends. On the other hand, he says, when persons were estranged, a meal invitation opened the way to reconciliation. So this moment was a moment where Jesus, very, just being at that table, was saying, I accept you, here's my hand of friendship, and I want to be, there's reconciliation between you and I. And you see, the, the Pharisees, they don't like this. For the Pharisees, having a party was not the issue. It was the guest list that was the issue. You see, for them, they knew there was going to be a party one day at the, at the end. There was going to be a big celebration dinner. So partying was not so much the problem. The problem is, who are you partying with? Who are you having a feast with? Because that now is doing theology right there. It's like working that out. And so they start to get highly offended that Jesus, this rabbi, is now eating with people that he should not be eating with, extending his hand of friendship and acceptance towards people 
that he should not be. Friends, I think we've got to learn as we've been speaking about the table and the pulpit, and I've said this a few times, we've got one pulpit, but we've got many, we've got hundreds of tables in this church. And table is, the, the, the ministry that Jesus um, gives us is ministry around the table. We see Jesus eating with all kinds of people all the time in the New Testament. All the time we see Jesus um, record, and, and, and often eating with the religiously and socially outcast. It was Jesus' way of engaging these people. He didn't invite them to synagogue. He invited them to eat with him. And so often what we do is we invite people to church, which is a good thing. But what about inviting them to our table? So what we then do is we make church attractive to people that don't yet know Jesus. And the reason why we do that is because the church is not inviting unbelievers to their tables. When in fact, I think if you got that right, you'd be doing both. Because God can move in, in, in both around the table with the, you can, at the pulpit as well as at the table. The table is so powerful, friends. It really is powerful. If we know, if we can intentionally understand God is with us in that moment and that we can minister profoundly. And I'm going to show us practically how we can do that. So, I think we've got to make use of the tax collectors in our lives. All of us have got tax collectors and others in our lives. And we should be having strategic gatherings, moments, parties, festivals, fest, uh, feasting, where we're inviting those people together with our churchmates, with Jesus. I wonder if that would be a way better way, or a way more kind of organic, releasing way of reaching Durban than in trying to get people into church all the time. And I'm not saying we don't want to get people into church. Please don't hear me not say that. I'm saying both. Man, there's such a... We've got, we've got strategic opportunity. God has given you influence in certain people's lives, in tax collectors and sinners' lives, that actually part of the reason why you're there is because he wants you to be eating with him at the table with him and with maybe with some of your church mates and having fun friends and bringing life you know what happens is the longer we stay in church the more chance we've got in be, uh, more chance we've be, uh, got to be influenced by the pharisees than what we are by the sinners often we, we kind of, the more we, the, the more we walk with God, it's like, oh no, Lord, I just want to have those people, I can't deal with that. Friends, God, the way Jesus did this is he invited those guys to the table. And when he received an invitation, he ran there. Whether it be Zacchaeus or whether it be Levi, he made sure he was there. I've got this beautiful um, picture, I don't know if you got it there, Shepherd or Megan. I found this on internet while we were worshiping, actually. That's Jesus on the one side. I love that picture. Can you see Jesus' face? I love that. I, in my mind, I think it, it was so amazing for these guys to be with Jesus. Jesus was interesting enough and profound enough and loving enough and kind enough that they loved to be with him. And I love that picture, the, 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 the picture of Jesus' face where he's engaging and he's smiling. I think Jesus had fun with these guys around the table. I really do. 
I don't think Jesus was minding his P's and Q's. I think Jesus just knew how to have fun with all, all kinds of people. And then he gets asked this question, why? Why would you be eating with these guys? And Jesus has a simple answer, because they need me. That's why. No physician goes and spends time with well people. No doctor goes and spends time with people that don't need doctoring. I've come so that they can be well. That's why I'm there. Amazing, eh? You know that people need you? Do you know that every single one of us has the physician living within us? Every, every single one of us, by the Holy Spirit, as a doctor, as a physician that can make people well. And actually, the moments, that we, the moments that we want to be able to take is not just bumping into each other on a ch by church on a Sunday, but we want to be doing it in our homes, friends. You know this talk about the new normal and the church awakening, this giant awakening? Must I tell you where it must awaken? It's not on the streets. It's in our homes around our tables where the physician is beginning to operate and we're beginning to move. Every single one of us has gifts, friends. And those gifts are meant to operate around in the, in the normal, everyday, ordinary moments of our eating together. It's so simple. And I'm trusting that God's going to awaken something in us. In, in the Matthew version, Matthew 9 of this version, he says to them, he doesn't just say to them, well, they need me, they need a physician. He also says this, now, what I want you to do is I want you to go and learn the meaning of our desire, mercy, not sacrifice. And the tense is go and learn and keep on learning that I desire mercy, not sacrifice from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And in that context, what was happening, Israel was worshiping God with their hands, but were far away from Him in their hearts. And so all the rituals, all the sacrifice, all that was good, it looked good on the outside, but on the inside, there was nothing. It was empty. And He goes to them, He says, what I want you to do is because you've, you've, your rituals and your, 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 go, your kind of everyday kind of thing is more important than people. I want you to learn about mercy. So Jesus, because of his heart of mercy, because of his sense of these people need me, he bypasses, he gets through all of their stuff and all of their junk, and he gets there to sit at the table with them and talk to them. Just being with him would have changed their lives. Just that sense of acceptance and friendship would have changed their lives. It's an absolutely brilliant, profound moment. I think one of the key things when we have these moments with people is we've got to learn we've got to learn that we are witnesses not judges that what we are trying to do at those moments is that we try to reveal Jesus we're not trying to change people's lives Jesus changes people's lives what our what we are called to do is to be Jesus, is to be, be, the, be that vessel, be that physician, so that they would see Jesus. 
and find Jesus. See, it's an amazing thing in this text. He says, he says I haven't call, I've, I've called sinners to repentance. Part of Jesus' plan was never to just bypass the sin. He was in that context. He, he, he wasn't going to just kind of do away with it and, oh, it's not important. No, I want them to repent. But I need to get into their lives. I need to, I need to become friends with them. I need to find, there needs to be a bridge. There needs to be a moment where we can dialogue and talk so that who I am would be revealed to them. It's a profound thing that Jesus does. It is so contrary to the religious thinking of the day. And I think in many respects, it's so contrary to the religious thinking today as well. Friends, we've got to, we've got to have an ability to see people as Jesus sees them. And to put ourselves in the presence of as he sees them and to call it out and to bring it out so that they would find Jesus and come to repentance. And it's such a challenge because you can kind of be intentional and you can be super spiritual. Hey, you know what we're going to do? Everybody's like, what that is? Who's this guy? But if there's genuine love and there's genuine heart to be the physician and it's about them and it's not about us, changes the whole atmosphere around the table why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners why do you eat it's incredible that the thing that makes the table holy is the presence of Jesus the presence of sinners don't make the table unholy when Jesus is there it becomes a holy table when Jesus is there. Remember the, remember the old new covenant adage. In the old covenant, when a, when, a, when a leper touched you, you became unclean. In the new covenant, when you touch the leper, the leper becomes clean. You don't become dirty. It's the same thing with the table. When Jesus is there, it becomes a holy table. We've got to remember that there's a holiness of the table when, when, if we can understand and know what God is doing in the moment and be that kind of person. It will change lives. You know the wonderful thing? Is not everybody follows Jesus, not everybody wants to come to church, but everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to eat. That's the door. We just invite people to eat and allow God to do what he does at the pace he wants to do it. Remembering we're not trying to get points for God, we're just trying to be the physician he was and is. But perhaps, friends, you, that's not your struggle. Maybe your struggle is not being with sinners. Maybe your such struggle is bringing Jesus with sinners. So there's some people that will be, oh, I don't know if I want to associate with them. There's other people, no, and that's the only people I associate with, but the problem is I'm not much of Jesus there when I'm there. And if you're that kind of person, I want to say to you, be courageous without being super spiritual. Be courageous. Be yourself. And be true to yourself. Remember, the Holy Spirit is with you. 
Remember, you're not trying to convince people, win an argument. You're trying to reveal Jesus. It takes the pressure off you. And if that's you and you're thinking, Stan, I, that's everybody that I hang around with is, they're not just they're tax collectors, sinners, and they carry on. Friends, I want to say to you, you've got the presence of God with you to change that moment. Be courageous. Step out in faith. I can guarantee this. You step out in faith and be opposite to what people think. There'll be tears around that table as God starts to minister to people. It's incredible how Jesus learned the art. Jesus learned the art of graciously speaking his mind. He, he you know, he, he, it says there, it says, on hearing this, he said. So it's not like he's holding back, and it's not like he doesn't want these people to come to repentance. But, but he, he has a way about him. He has a, he's developed an ability, a skill around the table to be able to ask the right questions and to bring life there. He spoke with wisdom and grace. That's why I love that, that picture of Jesus. Just, I can just, I'd love to be in there. Ephesians 4 verse 29 is such a profound picture where Paul is trying to teach the Ephesian church about how to live in community. And he says this, he says, let no corrupting talk come from one out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I think we've got to develop an ability around the table we're not trying to beat people into the kingdom. You're not trying to Bible bash people into the kingdom. You're trying to reveal Jesus to people so that they can come into the kingdom. And it's quite amazing what he says. He says, just, he says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And he says, speak, speak things that build people up. Friends, when we're around our tables going over into the season, we've got to speak things that build people up. You start speaking honoring, building up words around the table. Watch the whole atmosphere change. Instantly. And the one that you're building up, tears straight away. You, because I tell you what, people are so desperate for affirmation, so desperate for a love, so desperate for acceptance and friendship, so desperate to know that they do matter. And if they don't know Jesus, they don't know they matter. We've got to reveal Jesus to them. What about being thankful and critical? It says, uh, sorry, as, as such as building up as fits the occasion. We've got to be people that understand the occasion. Not every occasion is to be met with the same words. It's a skill. It's an ability to learn. Saying, God, please teach me around the table what to do, how to say it. Most of it, friends, is with questions, not answers. As fits the occasion. That's where the super spiritual come and Bible bash the way. And it completely misses the occasion. This is not that moment. This is a moment for something else. Honor it. But there are moments when God will open the door that we've got to walk in. What about being thankful instead of critical? Being thankful instead of critical. You start to be thankful. I felt God say to me today, this week actually, so we, we have Christmas with our family all the time. My dad is 77 or 78. And he, I actually had a phone call for him today. Oh, I'm doing this. What's Heather's full name? And da da da. What are you doing, Dad? Now I'm just sorting out my will. You know, I'm thinking, oh, flip, okay. But I thought, you know what? What I want to do this Christmas, hope it works out, 
putting my thing on the line here. I'm actually going to write what I would say at my dad's funeral. And then I'm going to tell him. I can tell you right now, you do that, the whole, cha- the whole atmosphere changes. And I thought, you know what? I want my dad to hear this. I'm not wishing my dad dead. I just want him to hear it. Because he has got, he's got more behind him than ahead of him. And this is what I talk about at the table. I pray. I pray. I pray that I flipping won't bore my eyes out saying it. But, but just, it, it, something's got to change around our tables, guys. I tell you, we have the same Christmas with the same people all the time. Nothing changes. Eat the same food. Some of us, some of us have got nobody. And we need to be inviting people. But be thankful, be honoring. Don't leave the table in anger. If there's a moment where you have with somebody of disagreement, don't just go and put right quickly before. It changes things, friends. And lastly, I just want to say this, I'm out of time. Leave grace at the table. It says there, it says that it may give grace to those who hear. I think one of the greatest things when we get up off, out of, off from the table, what's left on the table? Is there grace there? Is there grace to love? Is there grace for, is there, is there, was there kindness there? Have I left the grace there? Have I left the deposit of the love and the kindness of God there? In the midst of all that's going on. And I hope you, I'm hoping you're hearing, this is not like the somber religious, you know. I'm talking about have fun, having a glass of wine and having fun with everybody and, and whatever. But being gracious, leaving grace there. When we get up from every table, friends, we should be leaving grace behind. And I think this is what Jesus knew. Jesus somehow got this. He, he had an ability to be true to himself, not worry about his reputation, and be there because people needed him. I want to say to you, people need you at their tables. People need you. Your family needs you at their table. They might not know it fully, but they do. After this Christmas, if you exercise some of this, they'll realize, I want you at my table. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for changing it. Thank you for honoring. Thank you for valuing. Thank you for thanking. Thank you for whatever it is. I believe. You want to reach Durban? It's going to happen in our homes, friends. It's going to happen in our pulpits, around our pulpits, but it's also going to happen in our homes with you and me being the physicians, with you and me being the doctors, with me, you and me being the ones that understand mercy more than what we do sacrifice. And I pray for us that this season would be full of salvation. I pray this season would be full of healing. I pray this season will be full of joy. I pray this season would be full of excitement and getting together and powerful encounter with God around our table with our families and our friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.